and uh, we want to welcome back uh, Tara and Chuck Cutie. I love saying your last name. Uh, they've been in Australia for the last six weeks, eight weeks, 10, 20 weeks. Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seven weeks in Australia. Anyone feel bad for them? I do. They had to say goodbye to their beautiful daughter who was with us, and uh, as I'm sure it was not easy, but we're so glad that you're here. Uh, and we have some other guests that are first time or just maybe just returning. And uh, we've been evaluating or talking about evaluation and studying, refocusing, re-energizing as a church, re-examining what success will look like at the Gateway Church. And let me just say, uh, this morning, uh, our worship time, uh, that's a measure of success, godly success, that God was moving, God was speaking, God was uh, you know, breaking through our hearts to speak to our hearts, and, uh, and that's wonderful. And that's very different from worldly success uh, that oftentimes is deserved or merit-driven. Uh, and we've said that godly success is not what you do or what you accomplish, what you accumulate. Instead, it's who you know. You will be successful as you know Jesus in a greater way. You will experience favor, God's grace, His favor. Second Peter chapter one verse two, uh, we've said it says here, uh, may grace or God's favor be multiplied to you, multiplied as you know Jesus, as you know our Father in heaven. And it's so important for us to embrace that. It's in the knowledge of God that we will receive favor. And we've said that favor, uh, what Jesus says, he, uh, he stood before the Sanhedrin, before the temple, and uh, he opened up the scroll, if you remember a few weeks back, and he declared a year of the favor of the Lord. And what did that mean? As we looked at Isaiah 61, it's that good news was preached to the poor. There was a healing for the brokenhearted, that there was freedom and prisoners were set free comfort and provision. No more ashes, no more mourning, but instead gladness. And we said a year of favor. We declared a year of favor as a church saying we are believing God for his grace, his mercy to help us. But the cool thing about God's favor is that it's totally undeserved, completely undeserved. And this morning, just to illustrate that, I wanted to uh, do a little illustration that, that kind of helps us to understand. We have a favor, a small favor, for three of you that are here today. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I want you to look in your bulletins, all right? And uh, if your bulletin has a little sticker in there or a little piece of paper that says 2012, a year of God's favor, I want you just to come on up here. Uh, for a moment, all right? There should be, all right, we got one here. Come on up, Rich. All right, Aaron, Aaron, you got to bring, yeah, bring, okay, that's good. All right, oh, we got another one over here. All right, okay, now check this out. All right, so we've got uh, a little favor for you, nothing huge, but now this morning you came to church. You guys don't deserve this. Marilyn might. <laughs> all right, just to be clear, okay? But we've got a Meyer, or not a Meyer, a McDonald's gift card for you, $5, to go and enjoy lunch, all right? Not, maybe not today, maybe sometime this week. Uh, and did you guys deserve this this morning? No, no, you don't. All right. And it's just God's favor on your life, just a small gift, a token. And, uh, and we've got one more here for Marilyn. And uh, God bless you. And uh, we're excited about that. It's God's favor. You didn't deserve it, really. No, and you didn't expect that this morning. And that's the way God's favor is. We're going through life. We're not expecting it. We don't deserve it. But His grace, everyone say grace. grace. His grace is poured out on us in a powerful way. All right, you guys can be seated. There's, yeah, good job. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. All right. Anyone else? Check your bulletins. I thought there was four. I wasn't sure. Three or four. Anyone else? Just check real quick. There's extra bulletins outside. All right. All right. 
There goes Sean. See you, Sean. <laughs> Don't leave. He might not come back. No, all right. Well, then how, let's just agree together that Marilyn and Pastor Pale, uh, that they, they'll get double blessed, all right? And for being here, just pass that down to Pastor. And so they can enjoy McDonald's. It's not the most healthy food, but you can get a kid's meal these days with apples. I, and I, we've taken Logan to, to McDonald's in the last couple weeks on a couple occasions. And I'll tell you this, McDonald's is wasting millions of dollars on apples. <laughs> He's thrown away the apples the last two times we've been there. And, uh, and I'm sure my son is not the only one. All right, so God's favor. And so we've been talking about a year of God's favor for us as a church. And we said we want God's favor in in, in relation to our mission, that we're going to connect with God, connect with each other. We're going to talk about today connecting with the world. But let me just give you a glimpse of what it means, what God's favor is in our connection with God. Nothing is more important than our connection with God. I have in my notes right here that we are to be red hot for Jesus, connected with him. And so we've been encouraging you as a body to be fasting and praying. That's a good start to get things going. We've been encouraging you to, to be in God's word this year. And then we've been encouraging uh, in your worship, not only our worship corporately, but in your walk with God, that your life would be a lifestyle of worship. Now, these things are not easy. They take effort and they take discipline. But our connection with God is so important. Then we talked about the favor of God in our connection with each other as well. As we connect with each other, we understand that God's grace, His favor is upon our relationships. And the, one of the ways that we can embrace that is by forgiveness. And that was the first key last week that we talked about, forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves first uh, for the hard things that we've done, maybe choices we've made. Sometimes we, it is difficult to forgive ourselves. Um, I know that that related to many people. In fact, uh, uh, Matt Biller, he's a licensed therapist, and uh, after a service or this week, he said, you could probably spend a whole service or a whole series on forgiveness, and he's, he's probably right. But the idea of forgiving ourselves and then being able to forgive someone else. So many of us get caught up in unforgiveness. And what it does, it holds people back, bitterness, anger, resentment. And we look at people at times, and we, we maybe can't put our finger on it, but something's just not right. And many times it's unforgiveness deep down inside of them. And God wants to help you. He wants to favor you this year to release forgiveness for yourself, but then also the ability to help to walk with someone else and uh, to see God's favor in your relationships. And then so there was forgiveness. And then the other piece that we talked about last week was our fellowship, being together. Last night was a blast. For those of you that came out, I don't know, we had 40, 50, 60 people out last night. Uh, we had a game night and a movie night. It was really exciting, really fun. And, uh, and just being together, our friends. But it goes deeper, our fellowship does, than just being with each other, just hanging out, playing cards. I mean, that's fun. But we are asking God to help us in our fellowship that we go a little deeper, that we become accountable, and we'd encourage one another. And uh, it's interesting that even in my own life, uh, this year, as we kind of came into this year, I needed to reestablish some, some areas in my life of accountability and uh, to be able to have some guys that I've had in my life before to say, hey, we, let's, let's meet again. Let's, let's do this. Let's walk through life together where we can be dirt, honest, uh, completely transparent because it's in those types of circumstances that we will grow and that God will help us. And so I said last week that this is the year for you and for me to be accountable, to get help, to be vulnerable, to be teachable, to face addiction or fear, to walk through sickness, not alone, but together. And for those that are experienced broken relationships, that this is the year of healing in those areas. And so that's kind of where we've been so far. And today we're going to wrap up the series of 2012, uh, the year of God's favor. And we're going to look this week at our connection with the Lord. And what would God's favor look like if we were to fully connect with the Lord? And I just want to say right up front that our connection with the world is not to be like the world, 
It's not to act like the world, but to live in the world because we're, this is where we live, but to reach out and to, to connect. I love what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, right? But what? But be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, uh, and I love that we are not to be a part of the world. We are aliens. We are here, but, but we are to reach our world. And I do want to say that we, as a church, have experienced God's favor in this area. We've, uh, we've taken uh, some time to evaluate last year. And last year, for the first time in the history of the church, uh, as a church, for every dollar that was given in uh, tithes and offerings, we were able to give 10 cents to missions. 10% went right to missions, which is pretty exciting. Now that included with all your faith promise giving and all special gifts, including the tabernacle project and all these things. Um, and this is somewhat unofficial, but uh, over $50,000 was given last year to missions by our body. Wow. That's exciting, yeah? We were able to serve to serve and purchase 40,000 pounds of food last year through our Feed America program. We were able to give. We gave away almost 400 backpacks. In fact, we gave away all the backpacks. There were some leftovers we gave to the Fruitport District uh, just at the right time for them. But to give these backpacks away to families that needed some help, it was exciting. This last summer, we spent over 300 hours collectively serving from a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Love, Inc. You guys came out and served and worked hard. We got down and dirty, and we blessed Love, Inc. And what's so cool, the part of the Love, Inc. that we were primarily working on cleaning, they are ahead of schedule and should be opening. Uh, um, Alicia volunteers at Love, Inc. Uh, on occasion, and she was saying that they are ahead of schedule. They'll be opening here soon, and that's a fruit of our labor as we've been able to give out. Last year, we took a trip to the Dominican Republic, which was exciting. And let me say also that it has been exciting just in the last few weeks to connect with our world in a really unique way with our Bhutanese family. And I'd like to just wave at our Bhutanese family back there and let's, let's welcome them and say thank you for being here. We have a gift for our Bhutanese, and so Beam, I'm going to ask that you would come. I talked with him earlier. Come on up here. Um, they're, this family, we're a refugee family. Uh, they're Nepali. Uh, that's your native language, Nepali. Is that right? Yes. And what we have here is something called the treasure. And our missions board this last week said that we would like to bless your family. What this is, it's God's word in your language. And so you're going to be able to take this, and, and it has instructions. We'll show you how it works. And you turn it on, and you can listen to God's word in Nepali. And we're praying that this will be a blessing to you. We actually have a couple others on order. There are 14 Bhutanese families in our, the Tri-Cities area, which is really cool. And so we're going to connect with your family, and we've got a couple others on the way. But we want to give that to you and uh, say, God bless you, and uh, we love you guys, okay? Amen. And so I want to say that we are doing something great, but we have not arrived. I believe that this year, 2012, our capacity is going to be stretched in relation to connecting with our world. We have not arrived. This is not a place where we stop and say, this was the measure. This is what we want to achieve. It's not a hitching post. Instead, it's more like a guidepost, a lamp saying this is the direction that we're heading. And God's going to grow our capacity. We are going to bring the gospel to our community and to our world like we never have before. We're going to experience God's favor, more of his favor. You say, well, what will that look like? Now, this is where the nitty gritty comes. It's going to look like 100% of us responding to God's call on our lives to connect with our world. For some of you, you're hitting it out of the park. Uh, yesterday alone, uh, Alicia and 
Katrinka spent all day yesterday uh, working with our Bhutanese family. It was fun. I was showing Beam yesterday how to run a vacuum cleaner, all right? And it was kind of fun. In fact, let me just take the, the chance. We still need a twin bed for the Bhutanese family, a vacuum cleaner, a cassette player, uh, and then a radio alarm clock, um, all in good condition, it says, okay? And, uh, and so we need those things, all right? And so if you, you have a, any of those things laying around, any extras, we would, we would be love to get those to our Bhutanese family. But we, and, there's, and so Alicia and Katrinka and, and Rick, you were there yesterday, doing a great job, giving of yourselves. And it was like, wow, I mean, on a Saturday, uh, to be able to serve in that way, there, there are many of you, many of you that are very missional. You get it. But there are some others of us that when it comes to sharing our faith, uh, it's, it's difficult. There's a lot of fear around that. Maybe at school or uh, in, at work. Maybe, maybe at one point you had an intensity to reach the lost, but it's kind of waned. You've lost the intensity to share your faith. Maybe it's because of a fear of rejection. Or, or it's sad to say that there are some of us that would fear disappointing others more than disappointing God. And so we just don't say anything at all. Or we don't trust God to come through on his promises, that if we were to say something, that God would help us. Or we fear how others will respond more than we, re we would fear how the Holy Spirit would respond to our lives. And we mentioned that just a few minutes ago. It's easy, and I'll be the first to admit it, that we can get consumed with ourselves we can disregard or ignore the Holy Spirit's leading. We get comfortable. We've been with the people that we worked with for years, let's say, and, and we've lost the intensity to, to remember to pray or to remember to, to, uh, to reach out in a significant way. Or we've lived by our neighbors for so long, and maybe at one point you were passionate, saying, God, help me reach my neighbors. And then all of a sudden, you know, the years have gone by or the days have gone by, and you're less intense in reaching out. It can happen to all of us. But what the key for us in receiving God's favor this year in connecting with the world, what it boils down to is personal responsibility. Personal responsibility for me and for you. I want you to think about something for a moment. Would you be missed at your job in relation to connecting with the world, making a difference? Would you be missed at your school in regards to reaching the lost at your school or on your team? Or if we plucked you out of this community, would you be missed? Let me go a step further. Would you be missed here at this church if we were to pluck you out and you're transferred to Florida or to Hawaii or Alaska? Would you be missed in connection with our world. What would change if you stopped doing what you were doing? What would the church, the body of Christ, look like if everyone was as committed as you are in your giving, in your serving, in your prayer? Would the church be healthy? Would it be empowered? Or would it be lacking, maybe weak? And this is something that each of us have to address in our own lives. What would the church look like? See, God has a huge plan. And you are part of it. Every single one of you. There's not one of us here that is exempt. But the great thing is, and what I want to get to this morning, is that God, He doesn't have this great plan and say, okay, you're off on your own. He gives us some help, and His help comes through the power of of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and uh, we're going to get there in just a second. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you can kind of chronicle uh, the story of Jesus and how he connected. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, but let me just talk about Matthew chapter 4 here for a second. Jesus calls his disciples to himself, okay? 
He's walking along the sea. He sees two brothers, Simon and Peter, uh, and his brother, or Simon P- called Peter and his brother Andrew. They're casting nets into the lake. They were fishermen. And he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so Jesus, at one point in his ministry, at the very beginning, he's saying, I want you and I want you. And he's gathering his disciples to himself. And then a couple chapters ahead of that, in Matthew chapter 10, then he sends them out. He called his disciples to him again, and then, I love it, he, he sends the disciples out, verse 5, with his following instructions. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritan. But verse 6, he says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. He said, he said to go and reach the lost, those that are away from the Lord. And he says it again in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, all of that happened in Jesus' ministry. And right before Jesus is going to ascend into heaven, uh, Acts chapter 1, we see something amazing. Verse 4, he says, on one occasion they're eating with each other, and, uh, and Jesus gave this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the time or the date that the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew that we were not going to be able to do it on our own. So he sent the Holy Spirit. He gave us a helpmate. So I want to talk just for a moment, what or who is this Holy Spirit? There, and we're going to hit this very quickly. But in Matthew chapter 28, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, we see that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has emotions, desires. The Holy Spirit has a will. We also see in John 14, verse 16, in Hebrews 9, 14, that the Holy Spirit is God. He's eternal. He's holy. You say, well, what's his job? What is he supposed to be doing? Well, in Romans chapter 8, verse 27, his job is to draw people to the gospel. Have you ever f- done something wrong? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just did. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Have you ever done anything wrong and then felt bad about it? That's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us. He draws us to be more like Jesus. But then also, He uses us to connect with our world. In Acts 1.8, there's power that is, in, that is imparted into us as we receive the Holy Spirit. And I love what Luke 12, 12 and then Mark 13, 11 both say the same thing, that at the right time, when we are about to testify, if we don't know what to say, we don't have to worry about it because the Holy Spirit is the one that will give us the words to say. He helps us. You are not alone. There's a partnership. The Holy Spirit and you working together. But the key for the disciples was that they needed to wait in his presence. And when we look at this idea of waiting, we can look in scripture, all throughout scripture, where we are encouraged to wait, to wait on the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at Psalm chapter 27, Psalm 27, verse 4. Listen to what it says. It says, one thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. The same thing in Psalm chapter 130. I want to take the time to read this psalm. It's an incredible psalm. You may want to highlight it and read it a couple times this week because it's so powerful. Listen what it says. It says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Verse 3, if you, O Lord, keep my... 
Keep a record of my sins. Oh, Lord, who could stand? None of us. We're all sinners. But with, your, with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. And then I love it. Listen, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And his word, I put in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman waits for the morning. It repeats it. The idea there is that a watchman over the city is looking, protecting. He's looking out for intruders. More than that, I would wait for God. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. And with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself has redeemed Israel from all their sins. Powerful, powerful. And then again in Isaiah, just one more verse about waiting. Uh, there, we're talking in verse 30, Isaiah or chapter 30. It's an it's a encouragement to an obstinate nation, to a stubborn Israel. And what he says, what uh, the, the prophet Isaiah says, he says, look, you're stubborn, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show compassion, even though you're stubborn, even though we don't get it all the time. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. And so the early church waited. They waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And then he came. See, the Holy Spirit gives us power, the power we need. If you read through the book of Acts, you see how God draws people to himself. But then he gives the words to say to those that are reaching out. He gives boldness and authority. You say, well, why can't we just do it on our own, in our own strength? Because God desires, he craves to get the glory. And really, he's the one that deserves it. It's not about Ben Vey. It's not about any of you. It's about God. And so he sends, it's a partnership. We, ben and the Holy Spirit working together to reach out. You and the Holy Spirit together to reach out. And God gets the glory. Now, can I just be gut level honest this morning? And I want you to put this up on the screen. No church or Christian can be healthy or attain maturity, which we desire, without a life lived in and by the Holy Spirit. No church or Christian can be healthy or attain maturity without a life lived in and led by the Holy Spirit. And so we need to take a hard look, saying, okay, how am I doing? How are you doing? And the problem is, is that we get comfortable. We get used to, uh, you know, life and everything that life sends our way. And oftentimes we miss the prompting or his leading. We miss it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. I love what it says, and it's so convicting. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Say, well, what does that mean? And then I would ask you, do you take that seriously? What it means is that we don't listen to his promptings, to his leadings, or that our example as a believer is not where we should be. And we often will quench the Holy Spirit. You may just uh, go through, you read that verse, and you say, well, I assume I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit. But take a hard look at your life in the last week. Was there anything in your life this week where you weren't listening or your example didn't line up with God's word? And we have to be careful. The fact is, is that we all need the Holy Spirit's empowerment. We need that to connect with our world. We need the gifts of the Spirit described and laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But you know what else we need? We need the Holy Spirit's empowerment but it needs to be covered in love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
Listen to what it says. You know, we can talk about the gifts of the Spirit and, and get all hyped up about, you know, a gift of faith or a gift of healing or prophecy or, or all these things. But listen to what it says in verse 13 or chapter 13. Just the verse before it says, And now I'll show you even a more excellent way. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, in other words, if I speak in tongues, which we're Pentecostal, we believe in that gift, but if we do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but I have not, what? Love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So the point is, is that, yes, we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment, but we also need the Holy Spirit to empower us to love one another. And the question I have for you and for me is, who does God want us to love today, this week, this year, and to pray for that person? You say, what if God puts someone that I hate or really dislike? I've learned that you pray for your enemies. And as you pray for those that are, are against you, that maybe speak against you, there's something that happens. When you start to pray for someone, your heart grows for them. It's supernatural. I can't explain it. I've, I've explained before that there was a time here at the church early on, there was a, there was a family or two that, you know, we butt heads, and, and that happens sometimes when a new pastor comes in. And I was frustrated. I was angry. I was letting it, bitterness creep into my life. And you know what? One of my mentors said, well, are you praying for these people? And I'll tell you what, I wasn't. And God convicted me. And I started praying for a couple of these families, and my heart grew for them. And I'll tell you, God wants your heart to grow for those around you. Who is God calling you to love to, to reach out. See, our success as a church in regards to connecting with the world, it depends on each of us. You are to go. You are to love. 100% participation. And we need the Holy Spirit's partnership to do it. You are a vital member of God's body. And until you commit to connect with the world, we will not achieve all that God has for us. Now, I'm not trying to recruit pastors or missionaries this morning, although I believe there are going to be pastors and missionaries and other teachers of God's Word that are going to rise up out of here. I'm calling on each and every one of us, right where you are. Do you believe the church needs you? Does the church need you as an accountant? Does the church need you as a sales clerk, as a restaurant worker, uh, manager? Does the church need you in your school, in your neighborhood? Does the church need you as a teacher, as a therapist, as a parent? Does the church need you as a school board member or a city councilman? And the answer is yes. The body of Christ, the church, needs you to be engaged with our world. Our church, the Gateway Church, needs for 100% of us to be connecting with our world. And the Holy Spirit, He empowers us to do it. To be His witness. If we will wait on Him. If we'll be in His presence. What do we wait for? We wait until God says to go, until God's love just overwhelms us. And as he does, we will see the world as God sees the world. Broken, lost, hurting. We've been saying the last few weeks that the lakeshore, our community, is so ready to hear the good news of God's favor of His grace that's available. We've been saying that. And it is so true. There are people on the lakeshore, in our communities, in our backyards, in our families, 
that need to experience God's grace, his forgiveness. They need fellowship, a connection with one another. They need to be strengthened in their connections with God. And where I want us to take our focus is that our focus would come back to this idea of love. That we would love our world, love our our lost friends. That the Holy Spirit would fill us with love and enable us, empower us to love one another. And so again, who does God want you to love? As our capacity is going to be stretched this year, as we are led by the Spirit, who is it in your life, not in your neighbor's life, not even in your spouse's life, but in your life, who is it that God is going to allow His grace and mercy to flow through? I don't know if you guys are going to watch the Super Bowl this year. Anybody plan on watching the Super Bowl? Is that next weekend? No, two weekends away, right? Got a week off. Today's the last game. I read something this week from Dave Ramsey. It came through an email that was a part of a ministry email. Uh, they send encouragements, and, and Dave Ramsey was the writer. And he said something that really just captured my, my attention. At the Super Bowl, we see the best of the best, right? We hope. <laughs> There's something that happens in those big games, the World Series, the, uh, you know, uh, the Super Bowl, and other huge contests, right? the national championship games, where the players, they are almost playing at an unnatural level. They play through pain. They play uh, they, where they're good, but now they step it up a notch because it's the big game. Do you understand what I'm saying? That happens. And there's something that, that we have the ability to go beyond what our natural ability is, and in those games that often happens. Are you tracking with me? That happens. Well, I read this this week about this, about this, that if we play for something bigger than ourselves, we will play harder and smarter. That's what Dave Ramsey said. He says, if you play for something bigger than yourself, you will play harder and smarter. And I read that, and something in my spirit leapt. I said, that's true in my life. I love to play basketball. I play once a week. And, uh, and if I'm playing with a, a group of, of guys that are not as skilled as I am, I will dumb down my game, so to speak, to kind of be at their level. But there's been times where I've played with guys that are way better, a lot of times, that are way better than me, and it helps my game. I'm sharper. I work harder. I step up my game. And I think as we look at this year and consider God's favor in our connection with the world, we may be surprised how hard we will work because there's a sense of calling on each of our lives. That if we're going to play for something bigger than ourselves, we'll play harder and smarter. We're going to pray more. We'll sacrifice more. We're going to bring the gospel like never before. We will become soul winners. We're going to partner with the Holy Spirit. And we are going to experience a year of His favor. We're going to step up our game. My challenge to us is that we would do that. They would consider this idea of a year of favor and a connecting with our world and understand that it's not Pastor Ben's job to reach them all. It's 100% participation. It's personal responsibility. And so what is God calling us to do? Whatever He's calling you to do, or us collectively to do, we need to say yes, and we need to do it. And it's awesome that the Holy Spirit's there. He's available to help us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and, and to, to prepare our hearts in response to what God is, is birthing in us as a body of believers. We've already been challenged to wait on the Lord. And it's interesting how God puts pieces of a service together, isn't it? That we're to wait. That's in His presence. We wait on the Lord.
There's a song that we sang earlier, and I want us to do it a little slower. It's, it's the Hosanna song. There's a part in this song, I was looking at the words of this, that says this, and we'll get to it. And Jessica, maybe you could kind of lead us in uh, to get us going. It says this, it says, Heal my heart and make it clean. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open my eyes to the things that are unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. You couldn't have picked a better song, Eric. The Holy Spirit was leading you. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I like it. I think it means as we journey with God. As we journey with God. That's all the right. way to glory. That's, that's right. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. God wants to use you in a powerful way this year. And not one of us are exempt. Not one of us are exempt. Could we embrace God's heart for our lives? Would he be calling us to something bigger than ourselves? And so we got to play harder to play to sacrifice more, to be a soul winner, to partner with the Holy Spirit, all for God's glory and His honor. I believe that's what God's calling us to. So the first thing is that we need to have a relationship with Him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, would you just be open to allowing God to come into your life? Would you say yes to him this morning? We've been praying for you. We've been asking God to bring you here to, to reveal himself. Is there anyone here this morning to say, yeah, that's me. I need to get my life right with God. Just by a show of hands, just slip up your hand. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, or maybe you're away from the Lord, if that's you, would you respond just by raising your hand. We want to pray with you. I'm not going to pull you out, but who's here? Yeah. Anyone at all wanted to respond? Would you do something for me? Would you turn to the neighbor next to you and just say, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And I want you to be honest and then answer, okay? Maybe just find someone next to you. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Are you living for him? Is he in your life? Let me ask again, is there anyone here that needs the Lord in your life? Maybe you're away from God. Anyone at all, just slip up your hand. We want to pray for you. Anyone at all? Okay. All right. We talk about God's forgiveness, about his love. We need God to inject into us his love in a deep and a powerful way. The Holy Spirit would direct us to connect with our world. And I don't want to take it for granted or just assume that because you're here that you desire to be used by God. I would challenge you, I would challenge all of us if that's what God wants. But as a sign to the Lord this morning, would you respond and, and just stand where you are saying, God, I want to see people the way that you see people. I want to be used by you to reach, to connect with our world. Would you stand? Yeah. Who else? Yeah. If you're serious, if you're serious, and I want us to sing this song from the depths of our being, let God move us. Don't stand if you're not serious. 
through the foolishness of preaching, which the Bible talks about, that God, the Holy Spirit, has captured some of your hearts and some of your minds and is challenging you to a deeper walk with Him, a deeper fellowship, and a deeper connection with those around you. And if that's the case this morning, I'm going to ask that you would just slip out from where you are And could we take a moment or two in God's presence to just respond at his altar? You say, well, why do I have to come out and come to the altar? I'll tell you this. When I look back at my life, and I can just speak for myself, the altar on my knees before the Lord is where God has changed my life, has stretched me, you talk about my capacity to be uh, expanded. It's been at his altar. Every critical, important decision in my life, I bring to the altar. Because I need the Holy Spirit's help. And so I'm going to encourage you, if the Lord is dealing and he's expanding your, your heart for the world, or he's, he's encouraging you to, to be in more fellowship or accountability, or if he, even just with your walk with the Lord and his, your connection with, with him in, in God's word, if he's dealing in that area, I'm just going to ask that we sing straight through the song. Would you respond? Come, and I want to pray with you. Yeah, who else? Come on. Would you respond? Just say, God, I need you this Hallelujah. To the praise you unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what praise yours. Everything I I walk from earth to eternity. 
part, I see a generation. us to do it on our own, God, but that you are there, Holy Spirit, to help us, to empower us. And Lord, we just embrace your power. We embrace your passion to reach our world. And Lord, I pray this in your wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, hallelujah. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. We're going to continue to allow you to pray but I want to just wrap up a few details. Um, as we leave today, we're going to receive an offering. Let me just say this, that you haven't fully worshipped until you gave, all right? And so at the back door here, uh, there's going to be a couple ushers there. I'm going to encourage you to stop by the tables, fill out an envelope, and to give unto the Lord. Um, also, there's a few things in the bulletin that are really important. Uh, today's the last day to sign up for the missions trip for the Dominican Republic, and maybe God's uh, drawing you to, to be a part of that. We got Catalyst Impact Night tonight, 6.30. Uh, Wednesday night, worship and prayer. Don't miss it. And then next Saturday, for the men of the church, next